not a lot happens in this book. Yeah, she's a stupid nutritionist and she dates a football player and like their families have basic problems and they're all privileged and like that's kind of the plot. Yeah, and there's like 4,700 cousins. Oh my God, there's so many cousins. And she says all of the names like I should care. Right, we don't need all those names. But at one point she's like, you know... I've never brought a man back here because I've just been so busy with work. And I was like, really? Because you seem very unbusy. You seem <laughs> like you have nothing but time. Yeah. Welcome to your safe space. The podcast, your partner, friends, parents, whoever thinks is dirty. Don't have time to read books? Want to understand the TikToks? We got you, fam. We're the Spice Traders and we deal in spicy books. My name's Katie, and I need it to make sense. Hi, I'm Des, and I would love to talk about feelings today. I'm Liz, and I'm hypercritical. As always, we start every episode with three things. The first is a generic trigger warning. You can find specific triggers for this book in our show notes, so please check those out. Also, we do use foul language and talk a lot about sex. If you have sensitivity to that, this isn't the podcast for you. Secondly, we talk about books. The whole book, nothing about the book, so help me goddess. If you plan to read this book and you don't want something spoiled, don't listen to this episode right now. Lastly, we acknowledge that a good book can hit you at the wrong time. The views expressed in our discussion are our opinions, and we absolutely do not want to diminish the work and the talent of the authors in our community. That said, we have some notes. So Liz, what are we talking about today? Today we're talking about The Score by Kristen Proby. Um, This was published in 2023, and it is the third in a five-book series with two half-books. This book is 229 pages and a physical copy, thus comes in at a shorty. Um, it's a really quick read. It's just it's a quick read. Also, <laughs> worth worth noting here that we did read the wrong book. Um, yes. We yes. meant to read a different score book. Uh, so we were all a little confused as we were reading it as to how it ended up on our list. Uh, We will be reading the other score book at some point, but we wanted to give you guys a taste of what we thought of this book. (laughs) I'm surprised that we all got so far into this book without realizing it because uh, listeners, uh, (laughs) I don't know how you think we select our books, but we've got this giant list, right? And so we'll put things on that list like literally months ago and I'll just look at this and we will have no idea. And so when we go and we pick our books, we have to like remind ourselves what the content is supposed to be. And I have to imagine that when we picked this book, one of us looked up the score (laughs) and we were like, yeah, the hockey book with a lot of good sex. (laughs) And then we all read the wrong one, not the score by L. Kennedy. We read the score by Kristen Proby. Very different books. make it worse was that yeah I was expecting the hockey book that I see all over TikTok but this is a football book so it was like it was sports maybe I just got it wrong I'm not a sportball person mess that up I don't know (laughs) um so we will eventually be reading the other score by Hill Kennedy I think it says a lot to us that none of us questioned it I think it's a testament to our friendship that we were all just like Someone really cared about this book, and I'm not going to question it. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that being said, yep. I also think part of it was we were grateful for a shorty when we were reading this, because we've been reading a bunch of really long ones, and so I think we got to this, and we were like, oh, thank God, something short. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, anything happening right now is fine. <laughs> something short and uncomplicated. Yes. 
which it very much is. Oh man, I want that on a shirt. Short and uncomplicated. Put it in our merch. <laughs> Can that be the tagline for my life? Just short and uncomplicated. <laughs> no, <But> it's untrue. <laughs> short and but complicated. I, not my life. I mean, like my height is short. I don't oh. Like- Sorry. Wow, that came out. That was so much darker than I thought. I was like, "Man, do we need? Do you need a hug?" No, I mean, yeah, but I meant like because I'm short. That makes much more sense. I, I was picking up what you were end. putting down. I did not think that you wanted a short life. I, I appreciate your immediate fear, though, Katie. It's like okay. Also, define short because if we're talking like Pretty Little Liars over here, like that ship has sailed. <laughs> So the cover of this book, because we usually talk about the cover of the books that we read, the cover of this book is uh, a man with a woman, and that's... They're just, like, loose torsos. (laughs) Yeah. The cover of this book really um, says Western to me, though. It takes place in Seattle. Oh, this is... Yeah, that's right. I remember... So also, listeners, we also recorded this episode part of the way before, um... And yeah. my audio crapped out, so we lost all of it. So we're redoing it. So this episode is cursed, is my opinion. Uh, <laughs> Des but... is not here for this activity. <laughs> <laughs> not here for it, but I'm here for you guys, and I'm here for our listeners, so we're doing True it. love. Uh, no, so this uh, book also has an alternative cover, which is the skyline of Seattle with, like, some, like, uh, football hash marks on it, like little X's and O's and, like, lines and arrows. Um which I think is actually a better cover than just the nondescript man and woman on the front, but that's so I'm opinion. I've never been one of those people that like having people on the cover of my book because it just immediately tells everybody what I'm reading. And yes. also I don't find them particularly interesting to look at. I also feel that way no. about a lot of my art. I get really weirded out by people's faces in art in general so that's why like i try to avoid people's faces unless it's like photographs of people i love in my house or in my artwork yeah i think that makes sense and i mean i mean we talk about this a lot like picturing characters or looking up fan art like this immediately tells me what i think both of the characters should look like and that's fine it just it really doesn't ask a lot of you isn't she supposed to be curvy this bitch is a size two it what that's what she said curvy yeah she's great no it's it's the the curves are i'm an hourglass She's not, though. She barely has boobs. She's less than an A cup. Look at her. She's not even wearing a bra. Well, well the standard is a size zero, so she's practically obese. I hate this place. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Anywho. Somebody's got to um, say the line. I'm yeah, so I know. sorry. I was like, I'll do it, but Liz is usually the one to do it. <laughs> I was just like fucking around over here. Let's get into it. Katie, kick us off. All right. So first and foremost, ladies, we have ourselves a prologue. And it is a dark one. So I'm going to go off on a limb here and say that Des didn't read the prologue. Uh, no. So I did. One of the things we talk about sometimes the Kindle drops you in a weird place. It did drop me at the prologue for this one. So I started reading it. I read like the first two sentences, realized it was the prologue and yeeted myself out of that space. And I'm <laughs> so glad it did. It made the book shorter. Good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the, the prologue does start off with a very dark line. It says, starts off with she's dead. And in this short prologue, we are following 15-year-old Sophie, and she is dealing with the loss of and the death of her friend, Steph. 
And what we learn is that the two girls had started an eating disorder together and they kept each other accountable via a journal that they would pass back and forth where they would write down basically what they ate and how long they kept it. And due to complications of that eating disorder, Steph passed away. That's so fucked up. Like being a teenager is the fucking worst. And that sort of thing just really cements that in my mind. Yep. It super does. I remember being there as a kid, like it's tough to not go to to get out of that phase without feeling a certain way about your body and it's just so sad because i feel like things like this are just way too common yeah yeah absurdly common so i misspoke a little bit we're actually 15 years in the past not she's not 15 she's actually 13 years old so when we're reading the book sophie is 28 but when she's 13 in this prologue she takes the journal to her parents And her parents are understandably upset, but the dad, like, really doesn't handle it well. He throws it in Sophie's face because she doesn't want him to tell Steph's parents about the journal. And she's like, what, do you think Steph's going to get in trouble? She's dead. Which is kind of a shitty thing to say to your 13-year-old daughter. So callous. Right. It's really callous. And it also doesn't match who we later understand Sophie's parents to be. Yeah, because in the book... She's like, oh, I love my parents. We have such a good relationship. My family never has any problems. And it's like, okay, well, your dad's kind of an asshole. So are you faking it and lying to us, the readers? Right. Because, like, that's really problematic. Yeah. So that's the prologue. And then we flip to present day Sophie, who is returning to a house that her extended family owns and basically uses to house a bunch of the uh, older children cousins. So, like think late high school early college age that kind of thing it's connected to a house that one of her aunts owns and lives in and they collectively call this as the compound and in her inner monologue sophie remarks that her family is just a bunch of regular west coast kennedys and so i was like oh this might not be the book for me also nothing sounds more gross to me than living in a single place with like a bunch of late teens early 20 year olds that place is disgusting Oh, yeah. 100%. But, but you know, since they're West Coast Kennedys, they have, like, a fleet of cleaning people. <laughs> God. Just constantly following them around the house. Disgusting. That's, that's disgusting in a different way. But I also want to know, like, it's so weird that we have this house of cousins, but, like, where are all of their parents? Yeah. Because it's very clear that this is, like, a Seattle-based clan, and so it's like, did their parents just kick them out of the house? Like, I'm done with you. Right, like, you just get to go over here now? Right. We don't get explained that at all. No, no, no. But as Sophie visits the house, she runs into her brother Liam, who immediately leaves. He's, like, on his way out. As well as a couple of other cousins. So Hudson, Abby, and then Zoe eventually joins them, too. You don't have to remember who any of these people are. It's not important, and there's several hundred thousand of them. So (laughs) (laughs) if you forget them, their names, don't, don't worry about it. But they talk about how they talk about how they're having a cousins party on the upcoming weekend that they're all excited about. They have so many like cousins parties and get-togethers, which is we'll get into it later because it's sort of a plot point that she likes her family. But it's a lot. It is a lot, and it's not just a lot of time together. It's a lot of time together with a lot of people. Yeah, there's not, like, quality time. It's, like, at every event, there's, like, 42 cousins. Yeah, and I remember growing up, like, I don't have any siblings personally, but my mom has three other siblings, and they all had kids. And so when we all got together for, like, Thanksgiving and holidays like that, 
it was a full house, but I didn't feel like I was close to any of my cousins because like <laughs> we're all doing the same activity, like playing tag together and not like talking about our feelings <laughs> or something like that. Yeah, you're not like bonding. <laughs> right. So I don't know. It just feels like something that would be exhausting. Yeah. So she leaves and she goes on a run. So she basically used this visit as an excuse to park in this neighborhood that she likes to run in. And as she's kind of turning this corner, she's literally bowled over by a hunky guy who is just not paying attention. And so he falls on top of her and is like gross and sweaty and mortified and trying to make sure that she's okay. And she's like, yeah, but could you just please get off of me? That would be great. And then she leaves. She's just like, yeah, uh, that never needs to happen again. Enjoy your life, I guess. And as she's leaving and looks back at him, he's just kind of staring at her dumbfounded and weird in the middle of the sidewalk. He also tells her that she shouldn't run alone or listen to music while she's running, which is fair, fair criticism. But also, I don't know you. Like, right. Like, are you warning me because you're the guy who's going to kidnap me? Because that seems weird. Yeah, it's one thing for us to know that about, about, like, our situation as women. It's another thing for a dude to, like, enforce that. It's like, yeah, men are so awful, you shouldn't run with headphones in. <laughs> it just feels, it feels gross. I just yeah. think, like, it's one thing for, like, my husband or, like, a good guy friend to be like, hey, like, make sure you're safe. Like, that's, that's sweet and caring. You are a stranger, sir. <laughs> right. It's a little menacing. <laughs> it's a little, it's a little threatening. And then you just stare at her while she runs away, like, mm. Okay, creeper cat. After knocking her fully on the ground. (laughs) Anyway, after her run, she goes back to her condo and it's filming day. And we learn that Sophie is some kind of content creator. Her assistant. (laughs) 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 To be clear, she's like a wellness content creator. (laughs) I feel the exact same way. We learn that she's a content creator of some kind. Um, She's a wellness content creator, so she's a nutritionist, and she uh, does these snippets and film videos about food and also some other aspects of her life. So her assistant, Bex, has come over to help her with that, and they're going to film two videos about food and one about skincare. Bex and Sophie kind of catch up, and Bex pushes Sophie to basically hear out what this bigger brand has to say, who has offered to buy Sophie's brand. But Sophie's very adamant that she doesn't want to sell out. She feels like she handles her brand well, and it's uh, her personal, like, passion project, and she makes good money doing so. Um, So we kind of get this impression that she's, like, a strong, independent entrepreneur. I I have complicated feelings about this because, like, I I think it's great. And as three women who are trying to start their own podcast situation, I understand (laughs) what it's like to you know, want to be successful. But I also, like, I don't know. As somebody who has struggled with body issues my whole life, wellness influencers really rub me the wrong way because there's no right answer for everyone. And I feel like so many of them are like, this is the thing that works. And if you don't do this thing, you're wrong. And it's like, that's not, it's not how that works. Yeah. And, and I also just feel like, to your point that there's not a one size fits answer for everybody. And I feel like if you're not in tune with your body, you can just take advice to the extreme sometimes. Yeah. And she might for, for we get into it later, like she might be the type of influencer who's like not judgy and not rude and not obnoxious, (laughs) but on face value, 
I think it would be very difficult for me to be friends with this person. Yeah, I mean, for more reasons than that, because she doesn't really have much of a personality. <laughs> but no. <laughs> this is also problematic. Her entire personality is based around the fact that she struggled with an eating disorder, and now she's curvy and a wellness influencer. But it kind of creates this picture that, like, the opposite of sickly from an eating disorder is curvy. And, like, that's not true. And, like, that just causes problems. And so much of this book, I felt like the author was almost on a high horse, like, getting her own point across about nutrition. Like, we get a lot more information about nutrition and the way that this character feels about food. And it just felt kind of preachy to me at a few mm-hmm. points. Yeah, because it didn't really... It didn't really enrich the story. No, not at all. Yeah, like she could have very easily been like a yoga pant influencer and that would have been (laughs) fine. Right. And probably like less preachy because it just feels, we'll get to the scene where like they talk about food and it just, they talk about food a lot. I'm like, this is, this is weird. There's a lot. Yeah. And then she, gets, she has that merch that she's like beautiful at any size or whatever. And it's like, yes, that's true. But I don't feel like you're practicing what you preach. No, and it's just very pat. It's like, I'm going to start with this really dark backstory of a, her childhood friend dying. But then it doesn't, It like you said, Katie, it doesn't enrich the story like at all. Like, it, Yeah. It's just her personality. Like, there's definitely some aspects to the story where they could have bonded over something a little bit more meaningful, and they, especially with the the trauma that they both had in their lives, but that didn't come to fruition. And I realize this is a fluffy romance novel, and we're asking a lot. (laughs) Right. But if that's the case, like, you write a fluffy romance novel, don't start it with she's dead. Yeah, truly. (laughs) Like, you could have skipped that, and it would have made everything else better. Yeah. Solid point. Solid point. A, ch- a choice was made. <laughs> <laughs> you sure made the choice out of that. Wow. You sure you sure did make that choice. Okay. <laughs> wow. So after she does these videos, um, Bex leaves and Sophie goes over to her Aunt Meg and Uncle Will's house to drop off the extra food from her shoot. And my question about this scene is she did a photo shoot about charcuterie. And I don't know what extra charcuterie is. <laughs> So what like is leftover cheese extra yeah i know but i would just i would eat all of the charcuterie on my board and in my fridge like right what 100 percent. and i'm not gonna share it because like good cheeses and meats are expensive so they are exactly I'm gonna stay at my house for me <laughs> <Yeah>. to eat <laughs> but anyway she brings over these other things and um, we learned that Uncle Will is a retired NFLer and that her Aunt Meg is an oncology nurse. And so they're having kind of this shindig barbecue with a bunch of people that Uncle Will works with. So like people from the television station and uh, people from the Seattle Seahawks. They talk about how the family is growing up, kind of how, you know, people are getting married. They're moving. They're moving on to their next phase. There's not enough. There's not as many children running around. The next days will be like grandkids. And Uncle Will eats himself out of that conversation and (laughs) goes outside. As would I. (laughs) As would I. Eventually, Sophie goes out to join him and Uncle Will introduces her to the man who ran her over when she was running earlier that day. It's kind of like this plot point that ran me over because I saw it coming. Exactly, From a right. Mile away. <laughs> but I didn't get out of the way. <laughs> so we learned that this man's name is Ike and he has 
grossly thought about her body and sassy, sassy mouth all day. Oh, yeah. So I I apologize if this was said, but we do get multiple perspectives here. So at this point, we are in Ike's perspective. Yes. Um, And it's disgusting. Like, he is... I got... Okay, I don't know if either of you read you or watched the show, but it was big, like, you vibes. Like, I just saw this girl, and now I'm, like, lusting after her and, like, her whole body, and it was just... One of the first things that he says, like, after we switch to his perspective is, and now, here she is, with both surprise and interest in those stunning blue eyes that are so much like her uncle's, it's almost disconcerting. So are you attracted to her uncle? (laughs) Yeah, dude. (laughs) Yeah, he is. (laughs) Yeah, he's definitely, uh, I don't know, what I would consider to be, like, the quintessential jock, like, single-minded. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Anyway. It's not a great first impression for me in a romance. (laughs) No, it's not. My line is actually, this is a little cringy, but I'm not 100% out yet. Right. I'm still on the fence. He's still a quarterback. He's he's cocky, so, like, I get that. I mean, I don't accept it, but I understand why he's like that. (laughs) But... Her uncle Will likes him, and so that's kind of a stroke in the pro column, I guess, for her. He asks after Sophia, after she, like, leaves the conversation, they're, like, introduced, and she's like, hi, bye, lose my number. Except uh, she eventually does give it to him, so not really. So Ike asks Will about Sophia, and he tells him I have to stop you. You said Sophia twice. It's Sophie. (laughs) It's Sophie? It's Sophie. It was like, gotcha. The first time I wasn't sure I heard it, and the second time I was like, nope, she definitely said Sophia. (laughs) I have for Sophia. Both Probably, but like in my notes. <laughs> it's no. Sophie. Sophie's short for Sophopotamus, obviously. Sophopotamus. Man. My love child, Sophopotamus. <laughs> my love child, Sophopotamus. Okay, so they get introduced. The conversation doesn't really exist, and Sophie leaves. Ike asks Will about whether Sophie is seeing somebody and Will says no. And then Aunt Meg joins them and she says, oh, Sophie said to give you her number if you asked after it. And Ike very much is asking after it. Thus, we have the meet cute. Thus, which like, mm, it's, it's fine. fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's okay. Ike, Ike and Will to go on to talk about contract negotiations. So Ike's contract as quarterback with the Seattle Seahawks is up. And we learn that he's sending basically all of his money that he gets back home to his parents, which Will vehemently disagrees with and uh, says he'll, he's happy to help Ike in any way that he can to get him out of that situation. I'm saying there's some allusion to like bad feelings with his dad specifically in the way, like all the money is handled. Um, Yep. He's worried about his contract, like, not being enough money because his dad's a greedy bitch. His dad's a greedy bitch. Yeah. So later, later, Ike goes to the gym and he's kind of swirling about this shit with his dad, sending the money, This these kind of strained relations. His dad calls him, but he ignores all of his calls until he's home. And when he finally does pick up, his dad is annoyed that he went to a dealership earlier today tried to buy a new truck so he has a perfectly good truck tried to buy a new one just because he wanted to and the money to buy it wasn't there and ike basically tells him that he's cut off until after the contract negotiations are over his dad is not super pleased about this yeah he's like after all i've done for you now you're gonna be greedy which like (laughs) dude what the fuck i i know it's ridiculous and what have you been spending all the money on, sir? 
Well, yeah, that's a very good question that we never get an answer to. No, but it's something. Nothing like t- nothing like being angry at my dad to suddenly make me think of a woman I'm attracted to. He super does. Because yeah. he's, like, angry after the call with his dad. And it's, he just calls Sophie and he, like, asks her out. Like, I'm not going to sulk. Now I can't stop thinking about Sophie and her sassy smile. Ugh. <laughs> why? Because your dad gave you sass? So now you're, like, turned on? Yeah, why is anger and sex tied together for you? I don't understand. That's a question I don't want the answer to. <laughs> no, I don't need to know. Anyway. He asks her out. They agree to go the next day. And I don't know who these people are that agree to dates, like, within 24 hours. They're people who don't have jobs. I guess. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't have that availability. Also, he calls her rather than texting first. I don't Gross. answer. I don't answer numbers I don't know. So, right, like, exactly. Start with a text and then maybe we can talk on the phone, but don't just call me right no don't don't just call me and like even i was gonna say even then like we could just make plans over text and then like if we can't find each other in the place then we can maybe call but don't call me and before people come for me this is not like an older book where like texting wasn't a thing this is like a very new current book it came out in i think last year yeah so like texting is very much a thing so don't it was published in this year, 2023. Yeah. We said okay. it in Brand our intro. New book. Don't text. My bad. Don't call me. <laughs> so the next day, Sophie goes to the cousin compound before heading to Ike's. And she actually gets her younger brother to drop her off. And this weird interaction happens where, like, Ike comes out, sees the car, sees that there's a male driving it. And he asks her if he has anything to, like, any competition or anything to worry about, something like that. Which seemed like a very weird, kind of awkward thing to ask. Like, uh, she says even, I wouldn't have my current boyfriend drop me off at my new boyfriend's place. Right. But also it's her brother. So, like, maybe (laughs) ask a follow-up question. Well, my other problem with this is how did she expect to get home from the date? Yeah, I had that thought, too. Like, you just went to this dude's house are you gonna uber home like right like what if you get trapped somewhere like now you're in his control <laughs> yeah and like granted her her uncle does know him and he's like a known person but still but still, it's not something i would do no i like coming out there's a lot of things that we would not do that happen in this book so yeah that's that's, that's, fair. that's very true <laughs> very good point <laughs> Running was the first one. Right. With headphones in, alone. Uh, <laughs> Becoming a nutritional uh, influencer. YouTube influencer. Yeah. No, all set. No. <laughs> anyway, they end up going to a restaurant to have some seafood, which I know Des is really thrilled about. Gross. Disgusting. I'm here for it. <laughs> Enjoy your gross seafood. More for you. Yes. They get to the parking lot of this place and he tells her to stay put in the car while he can trot around to the side and like open her door. And I, the the door opening thing was was never on my list of things. It actually is kind of inconvenient in my opinion that I have to wait for you to come open my door. I don't like having to wait, especially like I live in Texas. It's hot here. Don't make me sit in a hot car. Or, like, if I arrive at the car before you, but you're, like, ten paces behind me, don't make me wait to get into the car. Right. Just- right. If you beat me there, great. If I'm opening the door and you hold your hand out to help me down, great. 
Don't tell me to like sit and stay so you can come around. I'm not a dog. Right. Yeah. I, I like the idea of like using the hand to help me out. Like that's really yeah. nice. But like I've already opened the door. I didn't have yeah. to wait. Yeah. Helping in or out of the car. Like that's a really sweet and like normal and kind chivalrous thing to do. Don't make me wait. It's just like telling her to wait made it weird. <laughs> that that did make it weird. But also like the opening of the door thing especially on a car, it's just so low on, like, the things that I would expect you to do. And it's not. It's not even a requirement. It's very bare minimum of, like, yeah. just being a decent human being. <laughs> <laughs> so at dinner, they have a conversation that seems normal enough. But it, Sophie's internal monologue is very tell, don't show. It doesn't give the reader time to draw their own conclusions. Which is fine. Like, I know what we signed up for. We're not we're not doing mental gymnastics over here, but it is worth pointing out because this, this book asks literally nothing of you. There is no central conflict. There is no angst. It is very fluffy. So much fluff. And what I mean by show, don't tell is, you know, instead of describing the feelings or the way that Sophie is feeling, she'll just say, I like him. Like, cool, Soph. Yes. So... We move on to a conversation about their respective selves. Starting with Sto- with Sophie, she talks about Steph and how after her friend passed away, it spurred her to do to move in this career as a nutritionist who helps others. And I get what the author's trying to do here, but this is where Sophie says, quote, I have no body issues at all. And I'm like, girl, who are you trying to fool? I don't care who you are. Like, maybe most of the time, like, 90% of the time, you're good and you feel great in your body and your skin, and that's fantastic, and I'm so happy for you. But if you don't tell me that once in a while an intrusive thought doesn't pop in your head and go, man, I wish my hair looked a little different today, or man, I don't necessarily like the way that I fit into this top, you're lying. You're lying. Right. Right. Yeah. And it just made her such an unrelatable human. It really did. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, it's so easy. It's so easy. And... If, again, it is very show-don't-tell. Like, show me you're confident. Don't tell me you have no problems. Exactly. Exactly. So Ike goes on to talk about his home life, but kind of clams up and Sophie doesn't pry. So we, d- we learn next to nothing about him at this point. And she muses to herself that she'll likely enforce the three-date rule. So were you two familiar with this rule before this book? And ha- if you were, did you use it? I am familiar with it. I have never used it. I am also familiar with it and have never used it. I was familiar and I have definitely used it. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I I usually only sleep with people that like I know are going to be a long-term thing. Like we've been kind of dancing around it for a while or like I can tell that it's going to be a longer-term relationship and so like for me it was never really something I needed to 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 adhere to in my mind. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, so just to clarify, the three-date rule is you go on three dates before you put out. And I I hear what you're saying. Like, most of my longer-term serious relationships started that way, but I did have this manic pixie dream girl moment of my life where I was between 24 and I think actually 23 and 25, where I was convinced that I needed to get on Match.com and start, like, finding a husband to get pregnant. (laughs) Um, and a lot of personal stuff going on anyway, <laughs> but that gave me, 
<laughs> period of growth. Yeah. That gave me like a very like hard start and end date for a lot of the people that I dated on that. Uh, and that's when I used it the most. Yeah, that's probably good and probably safe because like. Yeah. <laughs> Summon yeah. a stranger from the internet to go on a date with me. <laughs> that is a very safe idea. All right, so after dinner, they go back to her place, and he gives her a tour. His house actually doesn't sound very interesting at all. Like, there's no... <laughs> no. It's, like, this... It's a house. I don't even remember what the description was about the house. It strikes me as a, like, uh, a modern remodel of a house in, like, downtown Seattle. So, like, it's not a big house, but it's a nice house. Yeah. in like a nice part of town so it's probably very expensive but doesn't necessarily look or feel very expensive because you only have so much space and real estate to be able to do anything there and it, yeah i think that's my kind of impression too yeah for what it's worth like it does like the view sounds great apparently it's got a view of the yeah. water and like that sounds really pretty and like a nice big yard that sounds great so i don't know there's parts of it that i like but eh. yeah for yeah, as yeah. Much, i think like, that's fair emphasis as i feel like they put on the house and how much sophie likes it it's just pretty like it's a house exactly (laughs) i think the emphasis she's putting on it is because it's so normal and generally with like big football stars it's like ah here's my palatial mansion in one of three cities like that's a good point this feels very normal to her and her experience well yeah but her experience is like yes her family lives on compounds yeah yeah, no, I these this not is, relatable. <laughs> this poor, poor, broke football player with this small house. How cute. There, there. Sorrows <laughs> and there. prayers. Sorrows, prayers. So, but it is a good point because the, the most kind of footballery thing that is in his house is the place where they end up at the end of the tour, which is the game room. So there's like an air hockey machine and like pinball. And so they end up playing a tournament of pinball and Sophie wins. And as her prize, she demands one of his uh, Seahawks jerseys. They end up kissing, but she doesn't want to go any further and he's happy not to. So he drives her home. I got to say, I did like their flirting. That was fun. Their flirting is really cute. I like their, um, I, I like the like competitive flirting yes uh relatable it's very relatable i feel like i it's it's comfortable flirting and so that was cute and i did like how much he enjoyed like that she liked pinball without it being like the oh girls like sports like i feel like that was better done than i've seen in other things he does say this thing that i really hate around here he says i'm not because she says like you're a nice guy um when they're talking about like not wanting to go further and he goes, I'm not that nice. Nice guys finish last. So let's forget that part, okay? That's bullshit. Nice guys don't finish last. That's such a, like... Toxic in- masculinity thing to say? Yes. And it's yes. so stupid. And I, he kind of, t- like, brings it up multiple times throughout the book. And I just hate it. <laughs> yeah. So there's a line later in the book that I really hate, too, where she says to him... Something along the lines of, unlike other girls, I like nice guys. And I was like, huh? <laughs> what? what? <laughs> Sorry, yeah. you what? caught me. I I love assholes. I love it when I love it when my partners are assholes to me. It's my favorite. It was yeah, and I was just like, I am not here for that. No. Yeah, no. It, candidly, it took one asshole for me to get over that. <laughs> I don't need another one. Thank <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah, there was an asshole phase. I'm cool. <laughs> I'm good. I'm all set. I'm good over here. Thanks. So. 
when he drives her home, Ike ends up actually staying over because they end up just talking on her couch like late into the night. And he eventually falls asleep when they do that. <laughs> In the morning, he tours their um, – like she takes them on a tour of her condo. And then they also go to Pike's place for breakfast. But she lives like down downtown in the city. I found the quote that I wanted. It was better than what I paraphrased. So the quote she actually says is, I don't care what other women think. I find kindness sexy. Ugh. Which is even worse than like, it is, I it like is nice worse. guys. Wow. Yeah, so, I hate that. I know. Yeah. And mine is like, excuse me, what other women do you know? <laughs> you should find new friends. Yeah. She doesn't have any friends. She has her employee. I heard her fr- and her family. And Those are friends. I Those know. are obligatory family friends. All right, but what sorry. does that say about all of the people that are getting married in her fucking family? Do you think, does I she know. think that they're marrying not nice guys? I guess. When they like when she gives the tour of her place, uh, she talks about how this like she's lived in the condo for about a year, and Ike is the first man she's brought back here because she's been so busy with work she hasn't had the time to date. And as we go through this book, I just kept routinely thinking, you just have so much time on your hands. Truly, like what? How busy are you? I mean, it really seems like more of a personal preference at that point because right. she has oodles of free time. And like, yeah, just own that. Don't make excuses. Like, good for you. I just haven't been interested in dating. That sounds great. That's an acceptable answer. Right. You don't need to be lie and say that you don't have free. And I don't think she's lying. I think that's just like this character, quote unquote, is very busy. And sure, I guess, but I don't buy it. She's rich person busy. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I don't buy it either. <laughs> When they're out kind of walking around Pike's place, he gets recognized by a fan, but he, he handles it really well. And then when he exco- when he escorts her back to her condo, he heads out for the day. Because Sophie is going on this kind of all-day bridal shower thing for one of her other cousins. So at some point over the next week or something, I don't know, she goes to a bridal shower for one of her <laughs> several hundred cousins who's getting married. And <laughs> while she's at that bridal shower, she asks her aunt Meg for advice on whether she should wait um, fully three dates and like what counts as a full date. Like did their dinner count as one date? And then like this morning counted as a second date. And it's just so uninteresting. My God. (laughs) So uninteresting. Make your own decisions. (laughs) That's basically what her aunt says. She ends up saying you're a grown woman, but I think it's two. (laughs) And then she gets so excited. She jumps up upside up upside down she jumps up and down <laughs> and claps her hands and i'm like like a child look i get i get being excited about things i fully endorse feeling your feelings be excited if you're excited whatever but like you could have made this decision on your own like you didn't really? need an adult's permission you're an adult yes well, it's it's kind of like her aunt gave her permission to sleep with the guy she's dating and like right. that just feels weird to me like very weird i don't need that permission Right. I also don't talk about sex with my family. Like, no. I mean, maybe a couple of my cousins because we're friends, but not like my aunts. Certainly, not people older than me. No. Well, no, and no. not to the point where like now they all know that the next time you see him, you're gonna bang. Uh- Which <laughs> coincidentally is very soon. Right. Coincidentally. <laughs> okay. So speaking of very soon, <laughs> um. We switch back to Ike. Ike is being called into the coach's office after practice and tells him that Florence, the owner of the team, isn't pleased that Ike is basically going around with one of the... Fuck, I forgot what the name of the family is. But basically uh, dating Sophie. The Montgomerys. The Montgomerys, yes. So apparently there's a lawsuit against 
this owner, Florence, from one of Sophie's cousins, who's a Montgomery. And Florence wants to distance herself from the from the, the family and wants the team to support her in that. I hate that we didn't get information about what the lawsuit was about. We get a one-line fixer later. Later on. But, like, this is the moment. Tell me here yeah. and now. I suspect that it's in another book in the series because this single in Seattle series follows the Montgomery family. And this is, I think, like the third one or something. So I suspect it's in one of the other books. That's a fair point. I can't tell you how uninterested I would be in reading that one, just based on what the lawsuit actually is, but... Yeah. And I'm also purely making that up. I don't know. But I do know when I was, like, looking into the series, like, the next book follows a character that we were introduced to, like, the fucking couple that's getting married that has the stupidest fight, which we'll get to. But yeah, isn't this the first book in this series? I don't no. know. I, it's no, not. it's a point five interlude. Yeah. Yeah, so... I, actually, this isn't an interlude, but this is the third in a five-book series, and the five-book series also has two additional half-books. Which a half-book on, like, a... 200- oh, we literally said that earlier. Yep. Uh-huh. Yeah. Great. I, you know, look, I wrote it, and I heard Liz say it earlier, and I, it still didn't click for me. I was like, does this happen in a vacuum? I don't know. <laughs> it could. It could happen it in could. a vacuum. Yeah. Anyway, on the, on the heels of this conversation with uh, the coach... Ike isn't pleased. The coach isn't pleased. Obviously, it's a gross overstep of, like, professionalism. Um, But his coach basically says, like, this is bullshit, but don't make an enemy out of Florence during contract negotiations. So, like, just kind of keep your head down. And at this point, I thought this was going to be a miscommunication trope book. And it kind of is, but there's no tension between the characters, really. Yeah, like, he gets really defensive, and he's like, I'm not going to stop seeing her. Like, that's really ridiculous. And I was like, okay, like, this could be an interesting storyline. But, like, it it doesn't really go anywhere. No, no, nothing, Nothing comes of it. But um, that's the whole book. <laughs> really? <laughs> so, eject it out of your mind. It is a plot point, but whatever. Ike has some friends over. And they're just kind of playing around in the game room. But then Sophie calls him drunk, which I think is really yikes, and tells him to come pick her up so that they can have their third date and then jump each other. Cute. Which she basically says. I, she literally says that. I will give Ike credit where credit is due. He doesn't, like, balk at her. He's like, all right, I'm on my way. I'll come get you. Like, and and does come to get her and is sweet about the whole thing. But And, like, obviously doesn't sleep with her. But, like, I... That's not what I would consider a great impression so early into dating someone. No, I think Ike did the right thing here. But this is one thing about Sophie and like, I don't know. We talked about how we wouldn't really get along because of just, she's an influencer. She, this is her her personality. Like, this seems like problematic behavior to me. And it's like literally, uh, I don't know. She, it's a it's a part of the story and I don't know why. And I and I want to clarify, like they had had a conversation about drinking, um, I think already or soon. Yes. Yeah. Because uh, they both first... went to dinner and neither of them ordered a cocktail. Right. And so they talked about the fact that neither of them really drink. They they get in Sophie said she gets really trashed, like maybe once or twice a year. Um and so like the drinking is not necessarily the problem here. It's the like calling this person that you don't know super well and like I get it. Like, don't drive drunk. Like, you know, be safe. All of that. But it just, it doesn't sit real well on the palate for it to be this person. 
that that's a good point and it it circles the thought for me or condenses the thought for me because it's like alcohol isn't weird unless you make it weird and I feel like between that conversation about oh I don't really drink and then like two days later you get drunk enough that you call them to come pick you up like that that made what? it weird yeah, yeah like you, you make you make it weird if you'd never had the drinking problem but again that's where I think it's like the soapbox of nutrition because in the drinking problem both of them are like yeah I'd rather eat my calories so it's still like this weird fucking nutrition thing and it's just right <laughs> but then she says that she gets drunk like twice a year and then she's drunk for like the rest of this book <laughs> so she's is drunk he twice, like, and this so... is one of them <laughs> okay the book we are solidly like 80 pages into this book and there's like a hundred left yeah, <laughs> all right <laughs> so when she wakes up she's mortified because he has taken her to his place and cleaned her up and all of that stuff but Ike insists that she did nothing wrong and urges her to shower and take some paid meds and have coffee so they can talk because she like wakes up and she does that thing. All of us have done it when you're just, we're just like, I have to yeet myself out of this situation so I don't see the shame in your eyes when you look at me. Yeah, nope. <laughs> Bye. So that was relatable. And he's like, whoa, whoa, I did not ask you to leave. Why do you think I want you to leave? I want you to be okay. I would like to spend time with you, blah, blah. And so they do that. And, um, you know, Ike basically says, I'm not mad. There is anything about my behavior telling you that I'm mad. And so somehow this conversation turns into one of them saying I'm bossy in bed. I think that's Sophie. So she's asking or he's saying, like, do, do, do I seem mad? Is there anything that I've done that, you know, seems like I would be mad? She says, There's a couple moments where your voice got hard and that's new. So I thought maybe you were trying to keep your temper in check or something. And then follows it up with, even though it was kind of hot, which, like, that's problematic, but whatever. Because like, um, you were afraid. Okay. Daddy issues. And then mm-hmm. he responds with, my voice gets hard when I'm fucking turned on, Soph. So you were turned on by this drunk b- s- girl? I mean, she was all over him and, like, being I'm, very flirtatious. Yeah. And that, and he, look, I I understand what it's like to be attracted to somebody, but it's just, but he drew the line and was like, no, I'm not going to do anything here because she cannot consent. I so, was like, so glad for that. Yeah. Um, and so she responds to that comment with, oh, so are you bossy in bed? And he says, yeah, I am. <laughs> Is this the Which... conversation where he calls, she, he calls, Oh my god, she calls him nice again, and he's like, "Call me nice one more time, and I'm gonna spank you." And she's it's, like, oh. th- "That's earlier, but yes." <laughs> okay, <great. laughs> oh my gosh, that was just such a boomer thing to say. That <laughs> like, just get back and forth. I'm gonna spank you. Because <laughs> that's how it read to me. Like, I am here for spanking. Like, I'm good. I'm also with like the talking about it. But it was just like, I I will say like what stupid. <laughs> <laughs> the con- the phrase "my voice gets hard when I'm fucking turned on" is a hot phrase. Oh yeah, yeah. but like not uh, in this context. The context and, and eh. he does say, "I'm sorry if you thought I was mad." So I don't. Sure. I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> I mean, fr- so from there they do have sex. <laughs> yeah, and they he starts off eating her out on the couch, and then they go to his bedroom, and she goes down on him, but the problem that i have with this scene is that there's just like not a lot of detail it's there the scenes are very short and there's not a lot of explicit language in them 
and that that's a departure from what we usually read and so the sex here was really just I, I felt like I was watching through like a blurry screen almost which is not what I'm here for it right. wasn't fade to black <laughs> but it was what I would consider to be the like right outside fade to black <laughs> Yeah, and we yeah. do have there like so we get some detail. Like one detail we get is that when they go to have sex, he puts a condom on, and I'm like, that's great, positive protection, all of that stuff. You're gonna give me that detail, and you're not gonna give me the other details, like <sighs> right? Give me, give me the good stuff. <laughs> yeah, give me the good stuff. Like, yes, safe sex is great sex. You better pop that latex because you don't want that latex that I think I'm latex. Thank you, our great sex educator, Little Wayne. But <laughs> that's amazing. Give me the other details, please, <laughs> sir. I that song has not <laughs> shown itself in my psyche in like ten years. I would hazard a guess. Des doesn't know the song. I do not. No, Des, you don't know. Liz, I need you to understand something that I feel like maybe you have not internalized. She hasn't. I am very white. I am. <laughs> Step Jesus, white Connecticut white. Like I am so white. I've I have never felt hood next to anyone. Welcome. You're so G, you're almost H compared this to Desiree. Much. Holy shit, Des. Yeah. Uh I I am the driest saltine cracker you can think of. Oh. Oh. I love a good saltine cracker. Who okay, well doesn't, but time and a place. Just, you should listen to the song because it's great. It's about I, head. And now she knows a lot of the words to WAP. I do. I do. You, don't know, all, you know a lot of the words. I'm so proud. Uh, I, well, I didn't want to. I didn't want to commit you to all. Yeah, don't commit me to all. I no, think I thought. I thought the backtrack was funny. She knows a lot of. <laughs> <laughs> I I know more of Lil Nas X. So. Yes. Okay. Okay. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so proud. Slowly but surely. <laughs> Yeah, okay, so one of the things that I really liked is their dirty talk is kind of really fun and flirty, and he's kind of, like, a really strong, like, I hate the term, like, alpha male because it's garbage, but, like, he's he's a really strong, like, kind of dominating presence in terms of their dirty talk, and I like yeah. that. But, like, it happens, and, like, I'm like, ooh, yeah, ooh, yeah, and then it just doesn't go anywhere. Uh-huh. Which is yeah. a major bummer. Yeah. We go immediately from sex, and we fast forward a week. And Ike's contract has come in. They've been dating in between, kind of keeping it on the DL. And so Ike is meeting with his agent in person who tells him that he's been offered $400 million over 10 years. Wow. Can't relate. But <laughs> there's a clause in this contract that he can't have any ties to the Montgomery family. Meaning he can't date Sophie. His agent is confident that they can get it removed. He also talks about a sponsorship deal or several that he's been offered as well. And after that meeting... With the agent, uh, Ike goes to see Will and get his advice on it as well. My note here was, ah, yes, the insane value we put on athletes and sports in this country. <laughs> Truly. Sport ball. Jesus. Awesome. What an insane amount of money. What an insane, what an insane, what an insane amount of money. So uh -huh. question, if you were offered that amount of money and the contingency was you had to stop dating someone you've been dating for a week. Girl, bye. Yeah, Bye. Bye. Bitch, bye. I mean, also don't don't dictate my permanent my my private life. Like I would no. I would contest it on I principle. Would contest it, yeah. Yes. But also, but if it were girl, like, I can't see you for two weeks. Okay, and then right. we'll be good. We'll circle back around. Change your last name. Right. If I marry you, you're not in Montgomery. <laughs> Renounce your family because I'll make enough money for both of us. Yeah, I don't. 
But he's like, she's special and I can't. And I'm like, what? Uh, you can't? What are you just going to give up? Okay. <laughs> right. Like, okay. You're just going to get like a job at a hardware store? Like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. So Will also agrees that the clause will absolutely not stand and that he's got a team of financial advisors that will help Ike kind of deal with his money and deal with his dad and act as a buffer and things like that. And so Ike accepts help on both of those fronts from Will. Back to Sophie, Bex, her assistant person, asks how Ike is in bed. And Sophie says she doesn't want to talk about it because she wants to keep their intimacy between the two of them. What did you two think about that? I thought it was weak. Talk to your friend. My thing is, like, she strikes me, like, based off of the three-date rule, she strikes me as, and, like, this is coming from a prude, game-recognized game, a prude. Like, (laughs) I just, a lady doesn't kiss and tell. Oh, who cares, Sophie? Who cares? Yeah, I love talking to my friends about, like, (laughs) all the details. Maybe not everything, but, like... Right, not everything, but how do you how are you gonna know something's weird if you don't like gut check that? <laughs> right. Like being transparent and open is is healthy, I think, to a certain extent. You don't have to say like, oh yes, he poured his heart out to me and like, you know, we had all of it. You could keep an intimacy to yourself. Yeah. And you also don't have to like give a play by play, but you could say, Hey, he's really good or not. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. like, you don't have to give a lot of details. While we're here, uh, on the subject of transparency, I feel very similarly about, like, wage transparency. I think it's super healthy to talk about how much you make so you know if you're getting screwed over by your company. That's yeah. such a, like, boomer thing to be like, I can't talk about it. It's not right. And it's like, no, at the end of the day, your, people, your friends are going to do what they want to do with their money because you're going to do what you do with your money. And, like, don't let companies screw you over. Fuck them. Fuck the government. Really? Sorry. Whoa. Yes. <laughs> no, but I'm really mean, coming in hot. I'm okay. so sorry. Damn. But no, I but like I that's that's topical, too, because this contract that he gets, like, they don't talk about it. No. And it, they mm-hmm. remark at this point how much they – it says she has never asked how much the contract is for, and he does not offer that information. And it's like, I get it. You've only been dating for, like, two weeks. But they they kind of couch that as, like, a virtue on the virtuous side. And I'm like, you guys should talk about money. Like, absolutely, you should know. If you guys are going to be together and be married, you should be all up in your financial partner's business. And, like, yeah. maybe not immediately. Like, you know, we don't need to, like, jump into it right away. But, like, the closer and closer that they get to, like, being long-term partners, the more I'm like, you should you should, you should talk about it. You should talk about things. Don't, don't not talk about things with the person you're planning on spending your life with. Like, that's not going to lead to good things. Yeah. And they don't talk about a lot of things. Like... Or we don't see it, at least. Right. I feel like this book really skirts around miscommunication tropes without committing to it, which it was fine because that would drive me insane. But it's weird. It does strike me in this book that they don't, we don't, two things are happening. We don't see those conversations if they are happening. And there's not enough of a personality for either one of them to make it feel like they're being their true selves with each other. Like, there's so much that they don't talk about. And then they're just yeah. suddenly very close. And I'm like, I think you guys are catfishing the other, actually. Well, it's very weird. To your point, Katie, like, this is a fluffy book and we're asking a lot. But it just, it, I just feel like if you want to be fluffy, be fluffy. Don't put in all these details that, like, give it reason to not be fluffy. Yeah. I, I also just think that word is not very cut out for a fluffy book like this. No, we like angst. <laughs> we like angst. Or if it's going to be a super fluffy book, then give me, like, all of the details. Right. what's happening. Bex takes Sophie's refusal to talk about how 
Ike is in bed as this is Sophie's admission that she's in love. But then Bex like pushes her to say at least on a scale of one to 10, how good is he? And Sophie says there isn't a number high enough. And I'm like, beg to differ. (laughs) So Sophie goes on to do some work and then kind of at the end of her day, one of her other 47 million cousins calls her and this one's name is Olivia. Doesn't matter. And she's supposed to get married very soon. And she's supposed to marry this movie star. Um, and Olivia calls her just in tears, saying that she won't marry Vaughn, her affianced. So Sophie says, stay where you are, and speeds over to see this woman at her office where she's holed up crying. And she's told that the reason that Olivia won't marry Vaughn is because Vaughn won't invite his parents to their wedding. Girl, what? I was thinking he cheated on you. That's not a reason to call off a goddamn marriage. Truly. Two things. One, this wedding is happening two weeks. You're just now finding out that he's not inviting. Like, those invites go out a very long time ahead of time. You should already know that he's not inviting the parents. Yeah. Two, this is where I have my note that, like, I don't read a lot of, like, modern or present day stories and i'd always kind of wondered what you fill your pages with when you're not world building because right now i guess she is world building she's world building and like all of her world is her family and so therefore that's what we're getting but like my god i don't care i don't care and how boring yeah i think this is just a particularly bad example of it because like you can build a world right like there you're right her sophie's family is her world and we're building that right now it's just her world is so uninteresting to us and i think the other problem with this book feeling like just a bunch of nothing is that there's not a lot of strife or like drama that affects the characters we're supposed to care about like i don't know anything about olivia or vaughn so like sucks to that your marriage is falling apart before it even really began yeah, and, like, we don't have any connection to them. Like, this is the first time we've met this woman. Like, it just, it doesn't mean anything in the rest of the story. No. Well, and I think that's the the kind of through line through this entire book, which is why we're saying it's fluffy, is that, like, we're presented with these quote-unquote problems, but they resolve themselves without incident and honestly without any major amount of effort on the part of the character so it just it feels going back to the oh i have zero issues with my body thing it's just so unrelatable it's just so unrelatable also i feel like my problems would be a lot smaller if i was getting paid 400 million dollars over 10 years yeah (laughs) you know (laughs) like and don't get me wrong i i love my job like i i love doing this like i am not unhappy i'm just saying (laughs) Your problems are very small. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Anyway. So Sophie kind of has the same perspective that we do. Talks Olivia off the edge. And is like, what are you talking about? You can't just threaten to cut and run whenever you have a disagreement with this person. Which, yes, thank you. I'm so glad she said that. That is 100% the right response. Yeah. Beyond the fact, whatever this whole other issue. Like, you can't just break up with somebody when you get into a fight. 
Also, there's clearly some like trauma with this poor man and his family. Like Exactly. Why are we punishing him setting boundaries? Exactly. It's also two weeks before the wedding. Like again, how did this not come up? Like I Yeah. Yeah. You know what's going on. I don't understand. And Vaughn, to his fictional credit, seems like a really good guy though, because he comes bursting into the office. And telling Olivia immediately that the wedding is not off. We are going to talk about this. Damn and they start, they start stonging and so Sophie leaves. And we get the impression they're not breaking things off. Like, conflict lasted all of a page and a half. Exactly. Right. And it didn't even affect our main character. Really. Who cares? Yep. Who cares? So, Sophie on her way out runs into another cousin who Olivia called. Olivia sounds like a drama queen. And they both talk about, so Sophie's like, okay, Vaughn's in there. You probably don't. They're probably banging on the couch at this point. And the cousin's like, okay. And then they talk about how there's so much going on that sometimes they feel like they're just waiting for the other shoe to drop. I've seen foreshadowing before. Uh, so I kind of thought that something was coming. But again, <laughs> it's such a nothing You're burger cute. that like, don't read about it or don't worry about it. it really, don't read I know. about I, it. Don't read about <laughs> it. <laughs> read a book about it or something. Go to therapy about it. So then Sophie goes home and meet, meets up with Ike for some afternoon delight, which, again, we don't really get a whole lot of detail on. It's a shower scene, which I'm here for, but it is painfully brief. And we get none of the follow-up. So it's just like you're dropped in, they have some fuzzy sex, and then we're gone. There's no pillow talk, nothing. I actually have a comment that says, what is this fade to black nonsense? Yes. It's, it's bullshit. It's like, Is this a romance novel or not? It felt very blue ballsy because like again, like the the like lead up to it, I was like, ooh, yeah, ooh, this is yeah. good. And then nothing. And then nothing. And their dirty talk is good. I feel like they have good chemistry for like not really having personalities. Yeah. And yeah, it's just like, and we're gonna give you nothing. And scene. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Later, they talk about Ike's contract meeting, and Sophie, this is where it's brought up that Sophie hasn't asked how much she's being offered, but she basically says it's none of her business, and this is when it's presented as kind of like a virtue, and I just, it, it she's, she's her saying it that, that it's none of her business, to our point earlier, kind of suggests that it's a bit of a taboo or like unladylike to talk about money, which is just false. You should absolutely talk about money. It is yeah. your business in a romantic partner. Like, you need to know those things. But I also understand that this is very new, and I don't think you should be asking about it like this early on because then it does it. It does seem a little bit like gold diggery. Like, yeah. So like, yeah. I I'm with the like. I I do like that she didn't ask. I do like that she knows it's not her business. But I, I think the as they get further again like we're asking a lot from this book right like they've been dating for what four days a week? well at this point time has passed it's been a couple of weeks right i i don't think i would ask somebody i've been dating a couple of weeks like what their money situation is like that feels very like if i'm thinking about moving in with this person or if i'm thinking about spending my like we don't really know and it's i think the reason it feels weird is because on the other side of this we're getting ike who's like i'm gonna be with this woman forever and i'm gonna sacrifice yeah. my career to be <laughs> yeah. with her whereas yeah, exactly, sophie's yeah. like yeah i don't know we're having a good time and like that's fine <laughs> yeah and i think this is again like with the nutrition thing and the eating disorder thing like 
it wouldn't flag that she didn't ask about it if they didn't bring it up as a plot point. Yeah. That's the thing. You're making it weird. <laughs> right. Like, because you're talking about it makes me feel like I should pay attention to it. If it just, like, never came up when they were together, this wouldn't even be a conversation for us. Nope. Yeah. Oh, God. I just saw what's coming next. <laughs> so Ike tells Sophie that his dad is likely to going to cause some drama over the contract but she says you know she's not worried that they'll figure it out together which whoops and on cue the miscommunication trope is beginning because he super didn't tell her about the clause in the contract relating to her family either yeah that seemed relevant to talk about it super did so ike goes into the negotiation and meets with his agent who tells him on their way up that two other teams have already said that they would match the terms so he's not really standing to lose much, although he doesn't want to leave Seattle for more than one reason. Obviously, Sophie is one of them, but also he just really likes the area and the team. The negotiation is tense. There's a bunch of lawyers and Florence is there and Ike and his agent. Florence declares that she won't remove the clause and Ike is like, OK, then we don't have anything to talk about and like gets up to leave. And Florence is like, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute. Okay. Wait a minute. And she agrees to take out the clause, but states that she wanted known that she is displeased. The contract is signed without the clause, and boy, what a nothing burger, am I right? It was such a nothing burger. Again, we get these conflicts that, like, aren't conflicts. Nope. Also, okay, I don't know things about the sports balls, but does the team owner have anything to do with the contracts? I have no idea. I always pictured an owner as being, like, a figurehead, and they just, like, make the money, but they don't actually do anything. I don't know. The only, like knowledge i have of the owner of a sports team is from ted lasso and i don't know rebecca seems pretty involved in things <laughs> all right fair and i truly have no idea so sports fans out there forgive me if that's something that is well known they'll never forgive you i'm sorry <laughs> canceled canceled before we even got started <laughs> Damn it. sorry guys the loss was for us <sighs> that's a fine <laughs> hey, let's corporate america <laughs> I'm so sorry. So later that night, <laughs> Sophie and Ike go to Sophie's parents' place to kind of introduce Ike to them. Her dad does the whole I'll kill you if you hurt her thing. But I think in this context, it's not an empty threat. No. I think he knows where to hide bodies that hurt yeah. his family. Mm-hmm. While Ike is talking with Sophie's dad, Ike's dad calls him and... Sophie's dad is like, you want to answer that? And Ike's like, no, but does. And Ike's dad is basically yelling his excitement through the phone. And it's this awkward exchange where Sophie's dad is like, wow, what a piece of work. And Ike's like, yeah, and that's super not me. I need you to know that that's not me. Also, not not excitement. Like, no. Anger. Well, he's like angry excited because he's like, oh, man, the contract. He read like how much it was worth oh. and all of that stuff in the news. Got it. Right, yeah. Right, at this point. Yeah, he's excited. He's like, yeah, $400 million. Sweet. I can buy all the them trucks. Right. Aye, aye, aye. <laughs> so that evening goes off without a hitch. And this is also very weird because her dad seemed like such an asshole in the prologue, but like, it's fine. Yeah. I don't know who that guy was. <laughs> nope. Then at some point, Sophie goes to that. Uh, so we went to a bridal shower earlier. Now we're going to the bachelorette party. <laughs> Jesus. And this is like an all day thing. We, I don't know if you can slice and dice this, but like they're, they're going to a spa. They're getting like their hair and their nails and massages. And then they're supposed to go to dinner and then they're supposed to go out clubbing. And like, I'm exhausted girl. Like I need a break and a nap in between some of those things. I, 
I am not a high intensity person. I I like quiet time. I like downtime to hear my own thoughts. I could spend all day or several days and have spent all day and several days with you two, but we're not doing a bunch of high intensity, high energy things. Like even no. when we have traveled together, we're like, we're going to do this like one thing and then we're going to relax back at the place. Like, yeah, we're certainly not like having a spa day, going to dinner, clubbing all in one day. It makes me think of that uh, TikTok sound. It's like club, another club, no sleep, train, club, another club. <laughs> it's like, yikes. Well, and especially I, I remember, there's like 23 motherfuckers in this bridal party. It's huge. <laughs> they're all fucking cousins. They're because, not fucking cousins. They're just cousins. <laughs> well, they could be. We don't know. There's a lot of not detail in this book. What's Miss Kennedy's, am I right? Ike drops her off for this bachelorette party. And after he drops her off, Ike gets a call from the bank where his dad has a joint account with him and he gets all of his money. The bank person tells him that his dad tried to take out 70 grand and threw a fit when the money wasn't in there. And the person's just like, uh, did you know about this? Like, did you want to make funds available? And Ike asks if he can close the account remotely. And she says, yes, but it's easier to do in person. And so he makes a decision to do that. And I'm like, it's not that hard to close a bank, <laughs> like, virtually. But I okay. I didn't, again, these are things where, like, why was this a detail? Well, <laughs> crucially, and something that's not mentioned is he goes specifically because he wants to get his mom. Which makes sense later. But it's not said here. And so, like, it just seems like a wild conclusion to jump to. And it would have been, this would have also made more sense if they were like, no, you can't do it remotely. Right, because it's like some kind of small credit union or something. Yeah, because he's going to go anyway, so why not just, like, make that a plot point? That now he has to go do this. You're not wrong. Anyway, at the spa, the girls decide to invite the menses, all of their respective menses, since Vaughn has rented the club that the ladies wanted to go to. Which, wow. The one-line fixer here is that he didn't want his bride-to-be to be hounded by paparazzi. But, like, wow. That doesn't even sound like fun. No, listen, I love dancing as much. I mean, maybe not anymore because I'm old. Because I am a grandma <laughs> tonight. I like dancing. I used to like going clubbing. I have no interest in going clubbing with 20 of my cousins. And they're all women. In just, like, a giant club that's empty it would be so much cheaper to have a dance party at home right yeah just do that if you've ever done karaoke in a private room the beginning of the well the beginning of karaoke is very awkward because it's like nobody's had any drinks yet (laughs) everyone's just like who starts it feels very (laughs) uncomfortable and i just picture quiet room right (laughs) where like you're supposed to be having fun and you will but like you gotta it's gotta gear up in its own time Yes. Yeah, you gotta get I feel first. like this is kind of the equivalent of that, where it's like, all right, we're all in this club, and there's nobody on the <laughs> dance floor, and we're the only people in here, and what now? <laughs> well, and I don't know who it is, and they're talking about, like, inviting the menses, um, but someone brings up a good point where they're like, we want boys to dance with. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's a weird, like, I love being with my female friends. I do so much. But something like clubbing, I want a boy to dance with. If it's my husband, even better. Like, why that just bring all the friends? So I think that's brought up in the context of one of the younger cousins who is looking to find somebody out that night. Oh. And they just drive right past that. <laughs> and they're like, 
you know, I think Bond was feeling a little left out because he like didn't get invited or like somebody was feeling left out. Oh, no, it was a male cousin who felt left out because they wanted to celebrate with the cousin that's getting married. And they were like, OK, let's just invite the men. And fuck you, little cousin who wanted to meet a guy. Because <laughs> you're just going to get to hang out with your family members. Yeah, your cousins like you always do. The same ones you live with and the same ones that won't let you get a social life outside of that. Well, that was the other stupid thing with the little cousin because they're cousins that are under 21. And there's like this thing with the bouncer where like they don't want to let her in. They got to draw like the X on our hands. But again, you rented the club out. They can't like maintain and I, I no for legal reasons, but also like if you're with an adult and they say it's okay, you can have drinks. So like not in public. No, yeah, in public. So like if you are if like you're out with like your parents and your parents order you a drink or like you order a drink and your parent okays it, they can give it to you because basically they're giving it to your guardian. I don't think that's true in Florida. That must be a Texas thing. Yeah, that is absolutely not true in Florida. Like you will get arrested and your parent will get arrested. Fascinating. They decide to keep the dinner part just for the women and invite the men to the club. And when they get there, the two underage cousins have to get big X's on their hands so the bartender's known to serve them alcohol. But eventually, one of the younger ones, Abby, sips out of other people's drinks and gets, like, sloppy drunk. <laughs> Which Sophie, that's a lot of, like, loose drinks around. <laughs> yeah. Sophie scolds this cousin, Abby, for being underaged and calls her dad. Which, like, I get, but uh, again, why is this part of the book? Is th- like the whole conversation about alcohol in this book is just why are we making it weird? Yeah, it's like, weird why and is preachy. this even here? Yeah, it feels like it's about virtue signaling, and I'm not into that. Yes, I don't know what you expected. Also, like, if you're worried about underage people drinking, then you shouldn't have invited the underage people. <laughs> yeah, right. But like the whole, I'm gonna call your dad. Like, I'll call my dad. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, yeah, and so the thing is, like, this is part of the story that, like, it just could be edited out. Like, if the scene didn't exist, the book would be neither better nor worse because of it. No, it would change nothing. At the end of the night, sans Abby, who was trashed, the (laughs) girls are, the of-age girls are drunk and obnoxious, and they're, like, all dancing in a circle, and they're like, oh, I'm just so happy, I want to snock my husband, oh my god. And Ike takes Sophie home, and they bang on the counter. But legit, these scenes are like 100 words. Maybe. It's so disappointing, because I'm super here for a bang on the counter scene, and we just don't get it. Same. It's so blue-balling. Yeah. Katie, you skipped over a really important part of the book. Which Are ones? there any really important parts of this book? While they're all super drunk and obnoxious, they come up with this, uh, this acronym, SSS, for super sexy sex. And they want to have all the super sex... Like... It, again, this goes like what I was saying. Like, it feels like somebody who's just not had sex before, or like, is very juvenile. I hated that. <laughs> and then, like, I do remember that now because then when I gets there and she's like S S S S S, yes, she's just saying S S S S, and he's just like, okay, okay, I'm a snack. I'm a snack. So. After, Ike finally tells Sophie about his dad, that he's going to Oklahoma to sort things out and talks about how he's also going to get his mom out of that situation. And Sophie offers to go with him, but Ike tells her no, it's something he wants to do on his own. She says that she'll at least drop him off and pick him up at the airport, 
which he's like, oh, you don't have to do that. And okay, again, this is one of those things that they're making it weird because she drops him off. But then when he arrives home, he's like, oh, I got a ride. I'm like, from who? Yeah. What? What's her name? What's her name? I thought she was going to go with him. And I thought that would have been a really interesting, like, kind of side story to have her go and, like, go to this super small town and, like, see the abuse of dad right and like and to have that experience and i thought that would be really interesting but we don't do that so it's fine it would have been sorry you wanted growth no (laughs) yikes so they're having this discussion and it's from ike's perspective and this is an example of a line that i pulled out that illustrates how tell not show this book is because ike thinks to himself Quote, not only is Sophie gorgeous and smart, but she's special as well. And I'll do anything I can to keep her in my life. End quote. And it's like, how is she special? (laughs) How is she smart? How is she gorgeous? Like, tell me, show me that you feel these things. Like, don't just say, oh, she's so special. I love her so much. Yeah, no, we got nothing. Which I think, if we analyze it a little bit more, is why we like characters that are like, I will burn the world down for you because they do. Because they do. And then they like actually tell us why and why they care. I don't even necessarily think it's that. Like I this character this this character, this book, just the stakes were so non existent that like I'll do anything to keep her in her life. You've been dating for like a month. Like I don't Also, yeah, like you're giving this I'll do anything to keep her around as if it's being threatened and it's not. So like even you making the comment is like okay. <laughs> You're not having to fight anything. Right. She's there. You're not even being asked to compromise in any way. No. It's just no. dull. Like, you might have to go live in a different city, but you make enough money that you can just fly back whenever you fucking want to. Like, you could buy your own fucking jet. Right. Right. Anyway, Ike goes to Oklahoma. His mom picks him up and hasn't told his father about the visit yet. She's surprisingly easy to convince that her husband is an asshole and that she should leave him. She's so easy to convince her. That's not how battered women react. No. Not at all. Again, the disclaimer, you never know how you're going to respond to trauma, blah, 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 blah. But, like, she she already has, like, bags packed. Like, she... And And a lot of bags packed. Right. And, like, yeah, you don't know how you're going to respond to trauma. But categorically, we have data on abused women and like she is not what that looks like and she has so many bags packed but if he were truly an abusive husband like i'm not saying he's not these are all fictional people but she wouldn't have even gotten that far of packing her bags without being punished right exactly well and so again this goes back to the thing i was saying like i feel like this is written by someone who like it strikes me as someone who like would say the thing that like it didn't happen to me therefore it's not a thing that happens to people Yes. Like, yeah. who thinks that it is just very simple to walk away from an abusive relationship and, like, it's far more complicated than that. And, like, yeah, she just... I mean, I'm glad that she got out of that situation. I'm happy for her. I'm happy that she was basically ready to go. And here's the thing. I don't... I don't know that he is... No, he actually is abusive. Never mind. He, they actually he is, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. What an asshole. What a fucking asshole. Yeah. So, they arrive at the house and there's a brand new truck in the driveway, which pisses Ike off. When Ike is in the house and his dad doesn't know it yet, he speaks to his mother like an absolute piece of shit. Mm-hmm. Like, there you are. God, you're so fat and lazy. God, worthless. Where's my sandwich? 
like that kind of stuff where the fuck did you go i didn't say you could go shopping or anything and spend my fucking money i had to make my own goddamn sandwich what good are you if you never take care of me it's always the same old shit with you dude i know (laughs) yep so then ike is like hey dad and he's like hey son oh my gosh and like instantly flips and ike's like we need to talk and his dad is like, yeah, I'll, your mother can join us. And Ike's like, nope, just the two of us. <laughs> and in this conversation, Ike tells him that he's got off and Ike's dad loses it. Ike's mom comes in and says that she's leaving as well. And it comes out that Ike's dad has been abusing her, his wife and Ike's mother, both emotionally as well as physically. Shocking, I know. And then they Shocking. both leave the house. And this is where his mom basically has all of her bags packed and ready to go within the course of like a half an hour. I do think that if I had to leave quickly, I could, like, if I had, if I had made a decision, I think I could grab, like, the essentials very quickly. But it sounded like she had already had Yeah, no, it did sound like that. I'm just saying that, like, she, I, if I had to, I could throw some shit in a bag, in several bags, and be ready to go, I'd say, relatively quickly. Yeah. But, like, she's leaving with the thought of not coming back ever. Yeah. Like, she's and moving it's like, out. And the fact I that... I couldn't grab that much stuff in 30 minutes. Well, she doesn't, but she she does have, like, a lot of stuff just ready. Like, it feels like she was just waiting for the moment to leave. And, I mean, she, she says does. as much, but, like... I think yeah. that's what's weird. And, again, if you didn't talk about the bags, it wouldn't be so weird. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's It's weird. We're talking about it because it's weird. You could have just not made it weird. You could have just left. <laughs> well, you could have been like, you know, you could have one line fixed it and been like, you know, after this conversation, I waited about a couple of hours, helped mom pack up her things, and then we got out of there. Like, if you're going right. to one line fix a lot of stuff, like, you, you or can- Or even ma- like a one line fix, you're like, okay, let's go, mom. I'll send someone for your shit. Yeah. Right. Done. Yeah. <laughs> but none of that happens. We find out that Ike is going to drive his mother to Florida so that she can stay with her sister and start anew. Which, from Oklahoma? It's a long drive. It's a really long drive. I mean, it's about it's as long as Texas. Because Oklahoma is right above above us. It's a long it's drive. It's more north, though, because it's, sure. it's about eight hours from here to Oklahoma. Yeah. So it's like three days. Yeah. I don't know if I could drive that far with a parent. <laughs> I also wish this isn't stated one way or the other, and I don't think it's true, but they should have taken dad's new car. <laughs> yeah, they should have. All right. So cut back to Sophie, who's missing Ike. But Ike calls her and tells her that he is flying home that night. And this is where he says, don't bother picking me up. I have somebody doing it, even though you said you would. And <laughs> he asks her to meet him at his house, which he seems happy to do. When she arrives, she runs into his housekeeper and they kind of work around each other to get work and dinner sorted before Ike comes home. And he's dropped off by a teammate. So it's very clear that he like organized a separate ride. And again, why are you making it weird? (laughs) Right. They have some shower sex, which again is shorter than I would like. And they have a meal together. She's cooked like a whole appetizer salad main course and a carrot cake. In, like, three hours? Yeah, it's a lot. That's a lot. It's a lot. I don't know how she cooled a cake in three hours. I mean, Bake Off sometimes does it, but... (laughs) But they have, like, industrial freezers. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
So the next morning, she stays over, and the next morning, they sit on the back porch and talk over coffee. And they basically tell each other that they're falling in love. Then Ike spills the beans about the contract stuff and asks her to go with him that day to volunteer at the dog shelter that he works at. Which was such a random character trait to have. It truly was. And the conversation about the contract thing literally happened like that. He brought it up and she's like, well, that's weird. (laughs) Right. You want to go to the dog shelter? Okay. Yep. And I think this is where we get a little bit of information as to why Florence doesn't like her. But. I don't have anything highlighted here. I I have a lot of information about Buster. Okay. I mean, so I, I think this Buster. is where we get it, but it's it's basically like she hired one of the other cousins and then like to to interior design a house and it was oh, a part yeah. of a reality show oh, yeah. and she embarrassed the cousin like on live air and said that she hated everything and she wouldn't pay for it. And then so the cousin sued her and Florence is upset. It's just so such a first world problem. Yeah, it's it doesn't make any sense. Okay. So they go to volunteer at the shelter, and Rhonda, the woman who works there, is a big, big fan of Sophie's, gushes about her and her influence on her life when they meet, and they uh, come to understand that the Great Dane that Ike really loves, who got adopted a while ago, is back because he was just too much for the family that adopted him. And on the spot, they decide that they'll adopt this dog instead, which is how pet ownership should work. I love a dog in a book and I liked this dog but there was again a useless plot line about how Ike wanted to adopt this dog but didn't think it'd be fair to the dogs he's not home and doesn't have time and none of that has changed except that Sophie's like oh I'll just like share custody of the dog but then also they go on and they don't even really end up keeping the dog that much they drop him off at the compound most days yeah yeah they do which I hate <laughs> It's just, why are you making it weird? Why even bring any of this up? Why does it matter? (laughs) Why is there a dog here? Or like adopt the dog and then never mention it again. That would have been less weird. Or just say that like it keeps Sophie company and it's a really good experience. It's a good boy. Yeah. Yeah. Why are you making it weird? That day or shortly thereafter, they go to the wedding of that Olivia cousin who said that she was not going to get married to Vaughn and then they ended up getting married. And it's a lot of who's who in Sophie's family. Like, at some point, like, I think she points out Jennifer Lopez for some reason. Yeah. I hate the name dropping here. I know. Also, I feel like the book could have ended here. Like, I think the book could have, like, they could have had this wedding and the book could have just ended here. Uh It would have been fine. Yeah. Yeah. But no. No. When they come home, the Great Dane, Buster, has been bad for some reason. And he's, like, shit in the house and eating stuff adopted and then immediately left alone for like seven hours and they didn't crate him no and then they have like this stupid argument about a crate kind of like yeah (laughs) i don't know but then as they're kind of cleaning that up ike gets a call from his coach and says some who says someone has been accusing him of cheating i guess cheating at football question mark yeah like steroid use or like point shaving or something yeah yeah it's not clear (laughs) well so i had wondered when the conflict was going to show up and i think it's here (laughs) but man i just don't care like this is not the book for us no 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 it's a very weak conflict yeah and it's also resolved in like the next 10 pages 
Right. It's such a big nothing burger. Because Ike goes and he has to like have this conversation with the coach and Florence and some of the NFL officials, whatever. It's very uninteresting. And when he gets home, they talk about it. He talks about it with Sophie and they both realize that if it's not Florence who tipped off the press about this bogus claim, it could be his dad. But Ike kind of shuts down. He's like, I really just don't want to talk about it. Like, let's just do something else. Healthy. Which is okay. You are potentially risking your what, $400 million over this, and you're not concerned? Yeah. So over the next couple of days, the press hound Ike, and he's really frustrated by that. And so to get away from that, they drop Buster, the Great Dane, at the compound with the cousins and head out to one of the islands around Seattle where Sophie's family, extended family, have a pub. (laughs) And, like, I just don't understand why she has to, like, be related to everybody. Right, yeah, she doesn't. That's completely irrelevant. Yeah. Yeah, they could just have, like, friends. Oh, my God, what would that be like? I don't know. Oh, God, I wouldn't know. They don't know. They're all (laughs) interrelated. They're one big incestuous pit. (laughs) You know how, like, we're getting frustrated that she's related to everybody and always spending time with her family? Ike's getting there, too. Uh-huh. Yep. Because yep. it's weird. Because it's all it is weird. weird. And he's frustrated because, like, he's got his own problems that he refuses to talk about. So right. Yeah. And he's bottling them up like a typical man. Yep. And so they go back to their condo after this, and they have sex. And this scene is a little bit closer to what we're looking for. It's intimate, specific. It's not over in two sentences. Unfortunately, it's not very memorable, but because in the two weeks since I read this book, I don't remember a fucking thing about this scene. No, would not return. No. Yeah. And Bex, the assistant, walks in on them and the party is over. So, I don't know why that scene happened, but sometime later. Wait, so, I think it's important to mention here that, like, um, they do have an altercation around somewhere around here about like because he's bottling up all this stuff and he's getting frustrated he kind of snaps at sophie once about like how they're always getting together and how like it's a little much and like he's a little frustrated by that and he projects those feelings onto her that Um, hasn't happened yet it uh, oh okay yeah so he's starting to feel that way because there's a comment here that says i like sophie's family but i've never seen a family that gets together so damn much it seems to be constant yeah he's starting to have those feelings monologue yeah yeah Mm -hmm. got it he won't constant. express that with with Sophie at this point. Yeah, like he yeah. hasn't said anything to her about it yet. Because he waits until true douchebag moment. Yeah. Uh-huh. And incoming, the perfect opportunity to be a douchebag, mm-hmm. they go to a barbecue at Sophie's grandparents' house. That he doesn't want to go to, but won't just say he doesn't want to go. Right. So instead, he's there and being a sourpuss. Some real people-pleasing. It's the people pleasing. And he's all tense because people keep asking about the stuff that's going on with the investigation and he just really doesn't want to talk about it. But rather than being a man and saying he'd rather not talk about it, he just gets frustrated and Sophie has to do the emotional labor and say things like, we can leave if you want to, they mean well, blah, blah. And it's like, girl, stop. Right. Like, he didn't Don't have do to that. come. You gave him an out. He came anyway. He's being a bitch. Don't. He's an adult. He can express his own feelings. Yep. Or he can fuck off. Yeah. Either way. You can go home. You said you didn't care about his $400 million, so then don't care about his $400 million and, like, cut him, yeah. cut him loose. Cut him loose. After a certain interaction, Ike gets his back up and ends up leaving. He says that he can't handle Sophie's family, doesn't deserve them, and storms off. Will, her uncle, follows him, 
And, uh, dude, why are we here? Why is this happening? I don't. And I it, don't know. It was such a weird storm off because it was this weird combo of, like, why are you always with your family? This is so weird. But also, I don't deserve your family. Which yeah. is it? Pick a side. <laughs> Pick a side. We're at war. <laughs> Pick a side. We're at war. Because those are counterintuitive. Like, it just, I don't know. Pick a side. Well, and then, so I, I'm not familiar with this type of, like, men interaction because Will catches Ike by his car and tries to talk to him and, like, is talking to him for Sophie. And it's like, don't get in the middle of my relationship, please. Yeah. Like, Thank at the end you. of the day, like, I, I think that there are male friendships out there that are like this. But, like, I haven't seen a whole lot of that. I would like for men to be able to talk about their feelings with each other and, like, have adult conversations about their feelings with each other. But, like, I just haven't seen it. Yeah, well, that would be great. And I also feel like it's different than, like, if this were just Ike and, like, a friend. But it's Ike and his girlfriend's uncle. uncle. And, like, so there's, like, there's dual motives here. Yeah. During this conversation between Will and Ike, his dad calls Ike. So Ike's dad calls him. And Ike answers. And his dad tells him that Florence called him about a week ago to say, to ask him to say shit about the press but his dad refused, and he is calling his son because, despite everything that happened, he feels his son should know who he's working for. And after that phone call, both Will and Ike's phones blow up, and apparently it was Florence all along who spread the rumors. Shocking. She was rigging the championship last year, so the Seahawks didn't win, which is why she didn't want Ike to sign on again for another year. She wanted them to fail because she's basically... Like, fixing games, right? Yeah. And betting on it. So she will be forced to sell the team and out of their hair permanently, which is very convenient. Why? I hate Why is this... it a problem at all if they couldn't grow? Right. Like, I, I, hate, I hate this plot point because also, if the... Okay, again, I don't know anything about sports, but if the owner of the team has to do anything with contracts, couldn't she just have not given Ike a contract at all? Yeah. Seems like a reasonable assumption. Right. Like, I, none of this had to happen. Like, if you didn't want him on the team and you own the team, he doesn't have to be on the team? What? And the whole, like, weird redemption of daddy here. Like, no, no, no. The daddy redemption is arc. The uncle being in my relationship is weird. Because then come, Sophie comes out and, like, meets up with them and Ike apologizes to her. But it feels like he's really only in a place to apologize and see that he fucked up because all of this pressure from, like, the Florence contract thing is off of his plate. Right, because this has all been resolved in 2.5 seconds. Which is why I feel like both of them are catfishing each other, and I don't think they would last, actually, because when things even got a modicum of hard, which they weren't even. They weren't even. They lost this... it. <laughs> right, exactly. But anyway, they go back into the party and Ike apologizes to her entire family which and is all lot. is right with the world, which is it's like 47 people, literally. <laughs> and they're all just like, oh, Ike, that is not how my family would have responded if my boyfriend stormed out in the middle of a party. No, they would never live it down. No, he would not be allowed back in. So the book ends at a press conference, which is held formally to dismiss, sorry, not formally, formally <laughs> to dismiss the accusations against Ike and issue an apology from the league, which seems weird. And yeah. then <laughs> in the epilogue a month later, Sophie is moving in with Ike. So they're like moving out of her condo. And he tells her that he bought her a house on the island that they had that, that, that pub adventure on. 
and it's got the view that she wanted and he proposes to her and she says yes the last scene is sophie at a football game celebrating a touchdown at the first game of the season obviously that touchdown was scored by by ike le yawn le yawn that's how it ends and as unceremoniously as it started yeah it was a giant nothing burger of a book i feel neither enriched nor like i my life was made worse like this had no impact on me at all it it i nothing did i nothing did yeah because like some there are some books we've read that i have very much not liked and it's like upset me <laughs> that this occurred in my life this one was just like that happened All right, so let's get into some ratings. Liz, how did we rate the spice level? <sighs> we communally rated the spice at a one. I had mine at a two, but I docked it. Um, there is spice. It's not a fade to black closed door, but it's just really brief. We don't get those um, titillating details that we are searching for on this podcast. The juicy details, if you will. If you will. <laughs> <laughs> there were none details. None details. All right, Des, how did you rate the writing style? Uh, I was actually going to ask you, how did you rate the writing style? You don't usually get to do how the did. writing style because usually it's one of us. So I figured you should do the writing style this time. Okay. Um, I'm going to be honest. I don't really remember a lot of like the specifics of the writing style. So like grammatically, I think it was pretty approachable. There wasn't a whole lot. I, I don't think there were any errors. So it was a very well-edited book from that perspective. Mm-hmm. But I did think... From an editing perspective, there were things that could have been taken out of the book um, that just didn't really need to be in there. And it was like a, it was approachable enough. Like, yeah, it was approachable. I, I think there was other uh, the other thing that I, I rated it low for was did I say we rated it a two? No. So we rated the writing style a two. And with that, with those things that I mentioned earlier, plus uh, so along with that. There were also a lot, it was so much tell and don't show. There wasn't a whole lot of world building that like made a lot of sense. And uh, it didn't let you under like sit with the the story at all and and make up your own conclusions. So Des, how did we rate the quality of storytelling? We gave it a two for kind of some of the same things you said. Like there were a lot of random plot points that didn't need to exist or were weird or just fell off and didn't like kind of propel the story in any sort of meaningful direction um it's not a bad story it's just it wasn't for us and so like i, I think a two for us is, is pretty pretty on the nose like someone else might give this a higher score because the story is interesting to them but this is just all around just not for us yeah i think the thing for me was that there was just no skin in the game at all there right. was no tension yeah right but some no people stakes, for some people that's no what tension. they want right like some people are looking for a super fluffy low stakes romance and that's that's what this is and so like the story for me the reason i give it a two is not not just because of that because like it's also because of all the plot points that like made it weird like the dog or like the <laughs> um oh my god trying to think of like other things that like the alcohol the alcohol conversation like the nutritionism right it just it didn't bring anything to the storyline or come come to in any sort of fruition so from that point a two felt feels right yeah yeah 
Agreed. Which brings us to our final recommendation. Do we recommend it? We do not. It's not for us. That doesn't mean it's not for you. A good book can hit you at the wrong time, all that jazz, but not for us. So we did it. Those are our thoughts on The Score by Kristen Proby. Not the hockey one. It's the football one. (laughs) Thank you for joining us on this journey. Stay tuned for us to cover the score by L. Kennedy, the hockey one, not the football one at some point in the future. <laughs> but let us know what you think. Uh, you can find us on the sh- the socials, on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Goodreads, and Patreon at Spice Traders Pod. And if you like our podcast, please consider leaving us a review on wherever you listen. Until next time. Bye. 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 Bye.